Hey, Gibberly. Hey, Gibber Jose. Where are we now? We're both still in Palm Springs. Yeah, no, I'm still enjoying the good weather, like a beautiful night out by the pool that probably we will go in in a second. And this is, well, it won't be released for weeks. This yeah. is the first day of the year. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all the audience, whenever this is listened. <laughs> about February, like February 15th. Uh, no, no, probably <laughs> so. Probably so uh, but what do we watch this time to celebrate the New Year? So this was your pick, mm -hmm. um, and you chose to watch the 2004 cult classic, or maybe just classic at this point, uh -oh. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. What if we received a cult classic from a classic? Um, I guess like box office numbers, or the number of mm. people that want to watch it. Like I would argue Thor is probably a classic, the first one, before like the thousand other films. Like yeah. People like that film. Yeah. People really like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Well, I'll say people that like cinema, yep. everyone loves this film, I yep. think. Yep. Yeah, it's a pretty well-known film, yeah. Uh, and the reason why I picked this one, yeah, the last time that we were talking about Buñuel, you know, and that made me think about like how surrealism is still alive in cinema, you know. And it's like it's interesting because I think that Charles Kaufman is pretty good on writing surrealism. And depicting like impossible situations, and then I have to say that I love like the matching with Gondry from the perspective it has a very unique visual style that I feel is a bit more like I know that you don't like to match this part, but like a bit more of a childhood fantasy. How he can actually manipulate images in a way that it feels as a like, hey, this is almost like a child having a dream. Yeah, I think I have a hard time when he goes too childish, not childlike, mm. if you understand the distinction. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to uh, to keep watching more of the Charles Kaufman movies and I felt like it was a good connection. And also I was flying on that plane and I was like, oh my god, they have this when I was checking the classics. You know, that maybe it was Thor and all their Marvel movies and this. So I think you and I are bigger fans of Charlie Kaufman than we are of Michelle Gondry. We love Michelle Gondry, but yeah. I think we think Charlie Kaufman is like... Yeah, he's, he's this strong. He's amazing as a writer. Yeah. He's growing into his own as a director now. Yeah. 20, well, it's 2024, 20 years after this film came out. Yeah. Um, but this was like, this was like the peak of Charlie Kaufman because in 2002, he had adaptations, Confessions oh, no. of a Dangerous Mind, and then in 2004 he had Eternal Sunshine, and then in 2008 he had Synecdoche in New York. Holy so this shit. is like yep. when yeah, the, the world peak. was like, who the fuck is Charlie Kaufman? <laughs> um, yeah. So I think I saw this film for the first time in like 2006, seven. so I would have been 22, 23. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I think that I watched it more or less when he was released or a year later. Okay. It's like I remember just hearing about it, and I think that I realized about it. It was strange, but it's like I just thought about it from the perspective of Kaufman. You know, it's like I already love uh, being John Malkovich. Adaptation had just come out. Mm -hmm. No, it was two thousand and two. Two years ago. Yeah, two years before that. So it's like then is when I actually heard about like, oh my god, there is like this new movie written by him, and I didn't know much about Gondry because I don't know what Gondry had done before this. I don't know if the science of his thing. Bjork music videos. That's and how this was like the first movie? Bjork discovered him in yeah, France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I mean is like, is this his first movie? I don't think so. But maybe it was because immediately after, we all loved Eternal Sunshine when it came out. 
And his next film, even though it was with Gaio, was Science of Sleep, which oh, was so not it was very after well that, respected. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it was like Bikai Rewind. You saw that so Yeah, so like in 2004 5, he was doing a ton of shorts and music videos, but. Chemical Brothers, The White Stripes, Queens yep. of the Stone Age, Kylie Minogue. I don't think he was directing feature lights. Massive Attack, Radiohead. My oh. God. This guy directed with uh, the big ones. The good big ones. So, you picked this film, which means I have to summarize it, and I'm gonna need help. Sure, let's see if I can help you. <laughs> and honestly, I think what happens in this film is somewhat subjective. So sure. we meet um, Joel, played by Jim Carrey. If you don't like Jim Carrey, ignore this for this film. This is not Jim Carrey. Yep. He's not the awful comedian you think he is. Yep. Um, and he meets Clementine, played by Kate Winslet. And she's very histrionic and he is very awkward and weird socially. And they both clearly desperately want partners. Yep. There's an immediate attraction and they have this awkward romance and I say awkward because Joel is uncomfortable the entire time and they're trying to decide whether or not to date um I feel like I'm going off in the wrong direction already yeah do you want to just like tell it chronologically like by the movie or chronologically by the story well that's how it starts right Joel meets Clementine they go to Montauk well they actually uh, meet in the train yeah. Well, they're like, he decides to just like take the day off, he goes to the beach, and then he actually runs into her in the train. And, then, and they, they have a connection, talking. and yeah, they, they, they yeah. hit it off, and they're going to go have yeah. sex. Yeah, and, yeah. and um, But they build to like have a relationship, right? In that moment, they start to date. Yeah. And ultimately, the relationship disintegrates, and they. Well, Clementine. We don't know this, but Clementine finds a company that is willing to erase her memories of a relationship so she can stop grieving. So she has it done. Joel doesn't have it done, so he tries to reconnect with her and she's acting super cold, like she doesn't remember yeah. him. And then he finds out that she's had it done, so he wants it done. So they both have it done. And then this team of like medical professionals played by Kirsten Dunst, uh, Mark Ruffalo, yeah. that amazing doctor, he's such a good actor, like the primary doctor, but he's not a household name. Yeah, I mean, Something. I don't know. Oh, He's fantastic. No, no, no. The other... Sorry, what is the other, like, the younger one? The one that ends up, like, dating... Uh... Oh, so there's Elijah Wood, who's Elijah, like an apprentice. Elijah but I'm talking about the, the yeah, yeah, like the older doctor. one. He's yeah, fantastic. yeah, I really like that one. Yeah. Um, so this, like, weird team of nerds, they just, they come to Joel's house in the middle of the night, and they apply their medical equipment, and they're, like, scanning his brain, trying to erase every mem memory of Clementine. Um, and then the rest of the movie, we find like a mixture between reality and reality, memories. Where we find out that Joel and Clementine actually had several relationships yeah, yeah, yeah. that they erased, uh, but also combining with like uh, core memories, if yeah. you'll forgive the TikTok uh, uh, term. Um, and basically, the rest of it is like memories, reality, and grief, and how we deal with it, and wanting love. Yep, and yep, yep. But also and, at the same time, it's like a suffering because of the love, trying to move away from it, but just being unable and just being trapped in this cycle of, hey, I want to break up, I want to forget you, but we end up like just somehow like reconnecting with each other. So, after my 
then boyfriend, now husband, moved in together. We had a very serious fight, and I remember he said to me so angry, he's like, I love you, but love is not enough to make a relationship. And it really struck me, and it stayed with me forever, and I kept thinking about that when I watched this. Like, these are two people that clearly love each other. Yep, they have a longing yep. to be together, but they're not right for each other. Mm -hmm. And in the human experience, that's brutal and lonely and shitty and horrible, and... They captured this in the film perfectly. Yep. In my yep. opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because at the end is like the movies, like this couple, they are like a star cross lovers. Mm -hmm. Is that they are condemned, almost they're like condemned to just like trying to be happy with each other, but they know deep inside that they can't. And they're going to be, even at the end, is that they know that they have already gone through this like multiple times. If I recall correctly, it's yeah. like it gets to the point where it's like, hey, you actually went through this process. Like, yeah, you also did. You know, they even like listen to the recordings that he had, and he's like, and it's almost like, hey, we don't care. We're going to try again. Is that like the relationship was a bit of a toxic relationship that I can resonate you can with? To. Yeah, I can relate to it. You know, after like just being with my ex, it's like we were like for a very long time with the idea of hey, we're breaking up. But then he's like, oh, no, 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 let's go back together because now that we know what was the problem, we can just bypass it and ignore it. And it's like, this is what you're doing without realizing that it's like, these are the people that you guys are. You may want like crazy to make this work, but you can't. Like, you it's have to enough. let it go. Yep. It's a bit more about like the process of grief also, like how they are like displaying it, that instead of actually trying to go through the whole process in an organic manner, it's like, no, 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 I want to take the shortcut and then repeating the whole thing. So I had the feeling that it's also like a message of, dude, there are some times that you have to, as you say, love is not enough and you have to go through it. There is no other answer. You have to go through the pain of just having to come to terms that you're not going to be with this person anymore. That's a good point. I think they kept repeating the same story over and over because they were cheating and yep. not being like, oh, I understand, this is not the person for me. Yep. And I think you and I have the same preference for very strong film endings. And spoiler alert, this is 20 years old. Yeah. Um, so Joel spends the entire night trying to hide in his brain his memories of Clementine, and he succeeds to an extent. No, he doesn't succeed, but they meet again. Yeah. And they have this very brief, like, crush romantic interest. And then they hear the tapes of how they described how yeah. much they disliked each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they were like, I don't know how to reconcile this because I really like you. We spent 24 hours together. But these things this, are this is my voice, yeah, yeah. And so they said, this isn't going to work because I'm going to feel trapped and like not want to be with you. And, and he's like, and I'm going to be mean to you and hide from you or whatever. And, and they said, okay, cool. And then the film ends. And I was like, this is one of the strongest film endings I've ever seen. And it was so devastating to, well, like with you. I saw you do that with Marcus. You were like, well, we can do this for another year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, like, how realistic this is in terms of romantic relationships was devastating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the other part that was devastating is uh, this is like the second or the third, no, probably the third or fourth time that I watched this movie. And uh, I have forgotten completely the scene where he, uh, where they arrive at the clinic, where he arrives at the clinic and you see, like, everyone that is, like, waiting to go in. And it's like, and you realize that it's not only about, oh, uh, about uh, about forgetting 
about forgetting someone is a bit more about like also coming to terms with the loss of a beloved you know it's like there's like people that there's like clear is like these people just lost a kid or they just lost a pet and they don't want to think about like the pain that it was left behind oh yeah those people in the waiting room it was like oh we all just want to avoid this pain yeah but also i found the saddest scene to be the customer that wanted to forget their dog It's like, no, no, I yeah. would do that. Did you like the part of all like, the story about Kirsten Dust? It was very interesting and humanizing. So uh, Kirsten Dunst plays like a secretary slash like physician's assistant who f during the film, what we see in real time, she falls in love with the main doctor who's married. Yeah. And the mom, uh, so the, the woman that's being cheated on, the wife of the doctor, she catches them kissing. And then because of her, we find out that Kirsten Dunst and the doctor have a history and she had the procedure done. That was very, very devastating. Yeah. The betrayal, like I could feel the betrayal yeah. among everyone in the office. Yeah. That was horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also think that uh, Elijah Wood character is like the dirtiest scumbag ever. How he actually like just like starts dating Kirsten Dunst after learning everything. About her. No, Kate Winslet. Sorry, like, sorry. He yeah, stole Kate, Joel, yeah, 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 yeah. Joel's memories and was like, I'm gonna yeah, romance yeah. Kate Winslet. Yeah. He's, that's basically like rape. It's like psychological rape, what yep. he did to her. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I can't, like, I had forgotten how good this cast was. Everyone yep. is fantastic. And this is before they were all big stars, with the exception of Kate Winslet. But I don't think Elijah Wood had done Lord of the Rings. Mark Ruffalo wasn't an Oscar award winner. No, this is 2004. When did Lord of the Rings come out? I thought that it was like just Lord of the Rings. Let me just tell you, but that's a really good question. Uh, but this cast is exceptional. 2001 to 2003. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was like just coming from it. But the Jim Carrey had already do the uh, Truman Show. Okay, so they were all big stars. They were already like just pretty <laughs> not well Mark known. Ruffalo. No, not Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, you know. But it's like, I just feel it's like it's like a really big uh, movie right now. So like really big stars, you know, it's like people like have a feeling that is that they really believe in this guy. So maybe this was um, celebrities, actors that had huge hits that were trying to do something more indie. Probably, yeah. Uh, should we over the questions? Yeah, let's do it. Sorry, uh, um. Sorry, I'm struggling with having to do this on the phone. Uh, so, would you watch it again? Yep. In fact, I found out that my immediately after finishing it, I thought so about so much about my relationship with my husband. I texted him. I was like, "Have you seen this movie?" And he said, "No." And I was like, "Let's watch it right now." <laughs> I would watch it instantly. Yeah, I uh, I will watch it again. He's like, uh, my boyfriend has watched it, not with me, and I felt like this is a good thought-provoking kind of movie. Yes. <laughs> Would you recommend it? Uh, yes, to anyone. Yeah, anyone on the street had you seen the Eternal Sunset. I had a feeling, and that's the reason why I was asking about like cult classic versus classic. I had a feeling that this is a really well-known movie. Yeah, I think this probably is more than a cult classic, but again, I think you have to like cinema. 
in the way we were talking about in uh, the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie, Michel Gondry plays with the medium, so you yeah. have to be open to that. If you want a straightforward story, this isn't for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, would you remember it? I'll say yes. There was a lot. So when I rewatched it, there was a lot new to me, um, but I remembered the story mostly. Yeah, I remember like the overall story about like this a bit more of a cyclical story. Is not like chronologically displayed. I know that they're going to be like jumping a bit back. They're going to be like giving glimpses about like how they how they met. And I think that is like a very interesting way of hey, it's not going to be like flashbacks about reliving the memories while you delete them. I felt like this is a very creative thing that it works pretty well for by for these two people, like Kaufman and Gottfried. But memories that are are um, what's the word? Like unreliable narrator. Like our memories are not accurate. Correct. Like yep. that's what was interesting about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he actually rewrites some of them. He jumps into his childhood and he develops like even more like the character, like going back, and we can see like a bit more about like why he's like that. Uh, so I have forgotten like most of it, you know. I remember like the general like part. So I will go with yes, but I mean of a small yes. Yeah, same for me. Yeah. Is there anything artistic about it? Yes. Yeah. The direction is insane. The performances are insane. The script is insane. Yeah. When uh, it's funny because I remember defending Jim Carrey like many times because of this movie, and I also like the Truman Show. I know that it's not perfect. I know that he gets histrionic a couple of times, like Carrey. But I thought that it's like, this is a guy that can do drama. But the problem is that like, he did so many damn comedies that no one wants to see it. It's like, even if he's like such a good movie as this one. Well, it's interesting because my husband has seen most good films, most like films we would call important for the last 20, 30 years. When I found out he hadn't seen this, I was like, why? Because this is good. Like, you should have seen this. This is your yeah. taste. He's like, it's just a prejudice against Jim Carrey. And I was like, no, that's right. right. Yep, no, I get that. Right. That's totally fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I actually, I think this was like a movie also that made me believe more in, uh, in Kate Winslet. Yeah, she's good in this. Yeah. Like, she's not the Kate Winslet in Titanic. Nope, definitely not. As like the insane, crazy, needy woman. I was like, holy God, you make me feel anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, neither of them are like very balanced human no. beings, you know, it's like meeting each other was not the best thing that it could have happened to neither <laughs> of them. Uh, is it a timeless piece? Yes. Yeah, I agree. It has 20 years already. You I can't know. believe that. Well, when we see all those actors that we love now today, 20 years later, and they look like children, I'm like, oh, Kate Winslet used to be young. <laughs> Yeah, but then you take uh, Elijah Wood in uh, uh, yellow jackets, and he's still seventeen. And Mark Ruffalo, he's like he's not that different. Well, we just saw him in a movie, and he yeah. looks exactly the same. Well, he's a little more daddy now. Yeah, but that's it. Yeah. Uh, would you turn this into a TV show? No, this is a perfect. Well, it's not perfect. But this is an excellent movie. It was uh, meant to be a movie, it was not meant to be a TV show. I'm going to go with no too, but a part of me is like just curious. I think that it would be like just like watering it down, but just seeing like other cases. Imagine like just having like a bit more of a mockumentary format where they actually just like explore how other people like evolve from going through this process and yeah. they relieve like their relationship. 
I could see that. I just worry about the scope. Like, the scope yeah. was perfect. Expanding it may be okay, maybe not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to turn into something And that doesn't mean that it's going to be. Uh, so, we'll go with no. I think that there are ways that it could be interesting because I would like a tiny bit more of this world. Not a lot, but a tiny bit more. I wouldn't mind it, you know? Because we are given, like, also the clips of other stories that they went through the process. I guess, like, immediately what comes to mind is the doctor and his wife. Yeah. I want to know more about that story. <laughs> yeah, but I like that they leave it as a bit more of a three sentences. Yeah. You know? And it's like they give you, like, another glimpse of what kind of horrors this is trying to fix, and it fails necessarily yep. because he repeats again. He's like, because they are the same people and we have the same elements for just attracting each other, you know? Uh, That's deep. Yeah. It just, yeah. At the end of the day, it's, it's a chemical process. Could this have been a short? No. no definitely not. I feel like a, How long is it, you know? It's almost two hours. I, it may be 1.45, but it was definitely not 1.30. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember because I was in a time crunch twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, could this movie have been better? I'm gonna say no. Just because there's no glaring problems. I think it's inventive, it's imaginative, it's entertaining as fuck. No. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I wouldn't change anything. You know, is that there are small things that it, even like when I was watching it again, it was like, eh. but when I see it as a whole, I just feel like there is no glaring problem. Uh, we skirt? Yes. So this was my pick. So you have to score it first. I'm going to give this an 8.5, but only because I just gave Discreet Charm 9. And I do think that's a little better. Otherwise, I would have given it a 9. But it's an 8.5 for okay. me. Okay, my score is a 9. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> my score is a 9, but it's a, I, I still think that Buñuel, you know, like his script, Charm of the Courtesy, is a more important film. I'm being a bit biased, and I'm being like completely honest about it. I just think that it's like for me, this is an important movie. That every single time that I watch it, it's like I have reflected about me as a human being, and about like how I deal with grief and tragedy, and how can I actually just like grow from it, and how can I avoid trying to make the same mistakes over and over and over for six years. Yes. So I was going to add to that, like. That's your experience, and yeah. like for me, it was being about like, oh, we just keep inviting the same problems over and over and over because we don't change anything. Yep. It's like a, brutal to have the mirror hold up yep. Yep. by this film, and I guess I didn't have that with Discreet Charm. Yeah, that's the reason why for me it's like, hey, yeah. as a cinematography perspective, medium perspective, is like, sure, you know, maybe Discreet Charm on the board, you see, maybe better. But as a way of, a, I reflect on myself, this is, this is more impactful for me. Well, I guess then in 20 years, well, Discreet Charm is 52, so when this film was 52, it would be interesting to like look back and be like, this was impactful, super impactful when I was 40. Is it as impactful? Is this truly timeless? Well, is it timeless because, well, what you're saying is more about like from your age perspective. Not, not from age, the reality but around from us. From where where I'm at in my life, like, yeah, I, it's all intertwined. Yeah, yeah, because the thing is that with this charm, you know, because we talk about it the previous time, 
is that it's more about classes, it's more about like conscience, it's not about you as a human being, you know, it's like they it's are human personal. beings, it's less personal, yeah. it's, like, it's about this character, it's about Joel and Clementine, and just giving a glimpse about like why they are the way they are, and you try to fit into Can that. I change my score to a 9? You can do it. But... You convinced me. You're right. No, my experience was way more personal. Yeah. That's what I love about cinema is when it gets like all up inside my psychology. Yep. Discreet Charm was not that way, even though I respected a yep. tremendous amount. Yeah, yeah. I'm, there was nothing wrong, you know. But for me, I didn't click the same way. I like, can't see the value. But in this case, I was feeling that, dude, oh my God, this is my life. You know, or even if it wasn't my life, I would actually say, hey, this is like really amazingly written in a way that is like those characters, are, they are believable. It's like they are going like through a nightmare that we owe after once that you are over 20 years old, is that like you have like one or two relationships under your belt, is that like probably you have gone like through similar situations about like grief and just like trying to move on and just wish that, oh my God, I wish that there was some way of just removing these people from their mind, this person. But that would be bad, <laughs> you know, as this proof. It wouldn't be healthy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn, this is a good movie. It's a fucking good movie. <laughs> it? And every single time that I watch it, it's like, yeah, this is a really good movie. And I had the same reaction as you have, is that when people tell me that I haven't watched it and I really like cinema, is like, why not? Do you really like cinema? Well, I mean, I wouldn't call it like, you know, no, like no, the top I, 10, I, I but understand. it's a bit more of a surprise. It's I an mean, important it's, film. It's yeah. important to me. Yeah, 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 but it's a, I had the feeling that it's a bit more what you were saying about Jim Carrey, and I also had the feeling that it's a, hey, there was like this time in the early 2000s that people would be like, oh, you know, one of these like indie quirky movies, you know, and in Spain it was called Forget About Me or Mirate de Mi, but it was a very straight to the point kind of. So it didn't connect with that scene where she explained the, the no. quote? No. They did it. Well, it's like, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> you should work as a movie title translator. You could improve a lot oh. between Spain and America. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I tell you this? That uh, they translated cocaine bear for nasty bear. <laughs> you did tell me. No, I naughty, naughty bear. Also <laughs> well, actually, it's vicious, vicious bear. Alright. Still not as good as cocaine bear. No, it's not, not as good. Uh... Yeah, cool. So, what are we watching next? Because I think there's going to be like a French movie again. We're going to watch a movie called, well, To Le Matin du Monde. I, I don't speak French, you're the one that speaks uh, French. All the Mornings of the World, I think, is the translation. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, looking forward. Gerard Depardieu. Yeah. Yeah, very, <laughs> Lofty. Very, yeah, very, a very interesting <laughs> moment to talk about here. Okay, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, this was a very interesting chat. Anything else to say about it, Sassen? Watch everything by Michelle Gondry except the Green Lantern. That's it. You don't like Be Kind Rewind. Everything but those two movies. <laughs> but watch all the Bjork music videos. They're oh, fantastic. Honestly, not the movies, the videos. <laughs> okay, bye.